Welcome to this week's edition of Island Recast. For more information on Grand Memorial Presbyterian Church or Pastor David, please go to gmpc.org. Exams. Does, does anyone, do any of you remember exams fondly? <laughs> yeah, you do? You, you like exams, Jesse? <laughs> Better than homework. And you know what? I'm going to get to that point in just a minute because I, I, I actually ag- agree with you. But as a, as a young child, I struggled with exams. Uh, uh, being uh, undiagnosed dyslexic and, and ADD, uh, exams was, was not a measure of how much I learned, but how much I didn't learn. And, and it, was, it was discouraging, and, and it was frustrating for me. So as a, as a, as a lad, I, I did not uh, like exams. But uh, as, as, I, as I learned how to overcome my disabilities and, and how to focus on the material uh, that was being presented to me, then I, I, I began, actually, to look forward to exams because not only did it give me an opportunity to demonstrate as much to myself uh, as to my professor what I, what I had learned, more than that, it meant that there was no homework that night. And so that, yeah, that was, uh, that was the upside of exams. Uh, and, 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 of course, there's a difference between the final exam and a midterm exam. You know, the final exam is just that. It's final. It's over. It's done. Move on. A midterm exam, however, uh, helps us to gauge where we are with the material overall so that we can wrestle and kind of go back and review some of the stuff that we've missed in, in, in anticipation of that final exam when we can pull it all together. Midterm exams mean that there is still learning opportunities in front of us. The book of James is our midterm exam. The book of James helps us to look at our lives as believers, as followers of Jesus, and and it forces us to ask ourselves how we're doing. Have we learned the material? And are we applying it? And and can uh, 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 can we do the course corrections that we need to do in order to pass the final exam. If you have your Bibles, I would invite you to open them to the book of James. Uh, Last week, we kind of did an introduction to the book of James, a servant uh, of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we talked about that idea of servanthood as as being uh, uh, the characteristics that define a servant. Uh, A good servant is, 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 is one who is obedient uh, one who is loyal, and one, uh, 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 one who is humble. Obedience, loyalty, and humility identify 
the followers of Jesus. How well are we doing uh, on that? And, and, and James is speaking or writing to a people that he's convinced have a desire to grow and mature in their faith. So if that's not you, you can check out now. But, uh, but the fact that you're here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that as a sign that you can identify with that, that our heart's desire is to grow and mature as followers of Christ. So let's, let's have a midterm exam here and check it out and see how we're doing. So he introduces himself, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. That's us because... Yeah, we're, we're, we're scattered around the world, seed that is scattered sprouts and grows and, and, and raises a new crop. And, and we as adopted uh, children of Israel have been, have been grafted into that vine, so to speak, so that we are a part of spiritual Israel. So we're a part of those scattered tribes. So this is to us. And then we pick up the, the text for today, uh, chapter 1, verses 2 through 11. Hold on to your hats. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he or she should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him or her. But when the one asks, the one must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not think that he or she will receive anything from the Lord. That one is double-minded, unstable in all they do. The person in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. But the one who is rich should take pride in their low position because that one will pass away like a wild flower, for the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant, its blossom falls, and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away, even while he or she goes about their business. I don't know about you, but when I first read uh, the opening verses of Verse 2, the opening words of verse 2, I had to kind of pause for a little bit. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Really? Is there anybody that, that considers trials and tribulations joyful? You know, I have to kind of take a step back from there and ask myself the question, what in the world is James talking about? Consider it pure joy when you encounter various trials. 
The reality is that each and every one of us faces trials in life. We know that. Life is just hard sometimes. How do we approach the difficulties in life? Knowing that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Knowing that every single person in this world is going to have trials and tribulations. Jesus said it. In this world, you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Trials and tribulations come to us whether we want them or not. How do we respond to them? As I think about the trials and tribulations that have come into my life, I've kind of divided them up into three categories. And there may be more, but these are the three that, uh, that I want to work with this morning. And you can adapt and you can add uh, if, you, if, you, if you want. Uh, first and foremost, uh, I believe in the sovereignty of God. I believe that God is at work, and I believe with all my heart that all things, all things work together for good to those who love God and are called together according to his purposes. Now, that does not mean that all things are good, but that God is able to redeem absolutely anything in my life for his glory and for his honor and use it to further his kingdom. I believe that with every fiber of my being and knowing that God loves me and knowing that God wants me to grow and mature in my faith from time to time, he's going to test that faith. So there's one source of the trials and tribulations that we encounter. So I have to ask myself, if I'm being faced with a trial or a tribulation, what is the source? Is this from God? Let me assume for a moment that it is. I want to show myself as an approved worker, one that is able to take what I have learned and apply it in the challenging times that face me and give God glory for it. I think that's pretty cool. But I also recognize that there's an enemy out there that wants to trip me up. I remember Flip Wilson, you know, the devil made me do it. You know, I, I, sometimes Satan is active in our lives, but Satan only has two tools, but he handles them with the precision of a surgeon. And he's had thousands of years to, to hone his craft. But there are only two. Temptation and lies. That's it. He tempts us and he lies to us. Now, if, if, if I'm being tested by God, I... I I, 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 I want to I pass. I want to I show God that I'm, 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 I'm able to take what he throws at me. And I just pray to God that he doesn't throw at me what he, what he allowed to be thrown at Job. 
But if the trial and the temptation has its origin in Satan, I just don't want to let him win. I just don't want to let him win. You know what? Sometimes he does, and there's grace. Thank you, God. But do I learn? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. So that's the second source. The second source is there's an enemy out there that wants to trip us up. And he does it by tempting us and by lying to us. But there's a third category of trials and tribulations that come my way. And that's my own stupidity. My own arrogance. My own hubris. And when, when I identify that, all I can do is fall on my knees and say, God, forgive me. So there are various trials that are going to come into our lives. And, and again, you may have other categories that you can add. Feel free. This is not an exhaustive list. Uh, but I, I think that those are, those are the, you know, three out of the top five. And I'll let you fill in the other two, whatever. Uh, and you can order them around. So the trials, uh, trials are coming to us. So, so uh, James, he says here, um, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. There is a point. Pointless suffering is discouraging. And sometimes we look at ourselves or we look at the world around us and, and we say, this is, this is pointless. And I remember seeing a cartoon one time, two guys talking and one guy says to the other, I can't wait until I come face to face with God so I can ask God why all this suffering and, and poverty and sickness and disease is going on in this world. And the friend kind of took a step back and said, you know, I'm kind of afraid that God's going to ask me the same question. You see, we are called not just to be saved, to have our ticket punched so that we can go to heaven. We are called not only to... Uh, 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 be engaged in transformation to become more like Christ. But we are called to be brokers of reconciliation, to be a part of the redemption of a creation that God created to be good. It was very good. The purpose of all the trials and tribulations is to help us to cultivate perseverance and perseverance must finish its work so that we may be mature and complete. And so I think this is what James is trying to communicate, at least to me. David, I want you to consider it joy that you are maturing in your faith. I want you to consider it joy that I am refining you and preparing you for good works that I have prepared for you from the foundations of the earth. I want you to consider it joy that you are a part of my kingdom. And as a part of my kingdom, I am going to use you mightily 
to further my kingdom. Let me ask you this. What are the sources of joy in your life? Hmm. What does it take for you to be joyful? I can tell you what the world thinks and the direction that the culture is pushing us. But I'm going to tell you right now that the philosophy, just do it, or if it feels good, do it, is an endless hole. If you try to find fulfillment and joy and happiness according to the cultural standards today, you're going to miss out. Because that message is not designed to bring you fulfillment and to bring you joy. That message is designed to suck you in and make you discontented with who you are and what you have and look at your neighbor and be angry and jealous because he or she has more than you. That's what the world wants us to do. And right now, they're batting a thousand. Because we are at each other's throats. And it is filtering down into the schools. Jody had a brilliant presentation yesterday on the, on the history of critical theory. Uh, and she's going to offer it again uh, in, in August. No, it's not recorded. Why? <laughs> because it's really easy to take a recording and pull something out of it in context and use it to say something that wasn't said and to misrepresent what's being taught. So no, it wasn't recorded. But there's some information there that we desperately need to wrap our minds around if we are going to engage in this cultural warfare that we find ourselves in. <laughs> and it's here, folks. It's here. The only joy, sustainable joy, fulfilling joy that we are going to find as followers of Jesus Christ is through our own servanthood. Like James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, one who is obedient, loyal, and humble. In obedience, in, in loyalty, in, in humility, we draw closer to God. And as we draw closer to God, we discover who it is that we have been created to be. Oh, and we find joy, unspeakable joy. And so the challenges, the trials that we face are not something to be shirked back from, but something to be engaged with because those are the events in our lives that are going to help us to cultivate perseverance, to allow the work to be completed within us that we might be mature in our faith. That's what James is talking about here. And if anyone lacks wisdom, anyone, if you lack wisdom, ask of God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given. There's the imperative, people. That's the invitation. Ask, 
and, and ye shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. This idea that you continually ask, Lord, why is this going on in my life? Why am I suffering? Why am I witnessing this suffering? If you don't know the answer to that, then pray and ask God. Don't just sit there and complain to God, but say, all right, Lord, I know, I know that this is coming to me from one of three sources. You're either sending it my way because you want to show me that I'm, uh, I'm, I'm mastering the material and I'm moving forward in positive ways and I, want to, and I want to pass that exam. Or it's coming to me from the enemy and I don't want to let the enemy win. Or I'm just being stupid, which I've been known to do from time to time. Uh, help me. Give me the wisdom to understand what's going on in my life right now. Please. I believe God will answer that prayer. But we have to approach that prayer from an understanding that God is sovereign. That God is involved in our lives. That God is involved in the world. That God does have a plan. And that we are in that plan. That was a revelation that I had uh, just a couple of months ago, actually. Because no matter where I go or what I do, there I am. And, And if I'm not careful... I can think that the whole world revolves around me because no matter where I go or what I do, there I am. And it was, it was kind of a revelation for me to, to recognize God saying to me, David, yes, I have a plan. You're not it. Oh, I love you, and I want to use you in my plan, but you're not it. Ask. That's an invitation that has been given to us. And I stand before you to tell you that I have not availed myself of that invitation as much as I should. Which is one of the reasons why we we go into... These are midterms. We're not at the final exam yet. There's still time to learn. There's still time to make adjustments. There's still time to take a step back and recognize that God is at work in our lives. Ask. Ask without doubt. Ask believing. Ask with faith. Don't be double-minded. And you know what? There's a little bit of double-mindedness in all of us. I get that because we are a work in process, but that is a lack of maturity. And the only way we can deal with a lack of maturity is to develop perseverance. And the only way we can develop perseverance is by taking these challenges head on. And then we can say, this this is joyful for me, Lord. Not that I'm going through this muck in the mire. I don't like pain. I don't like suffering. But the result, yeah, I want to be an approved worker. I want to be where God wants me to be and to be the person that God created me to be. How are we doing here? Okay, we're good. I'm watching, don't worry. And this one kind of tripped me up a little bit. Verse 9. The person in humble circumstances ought to take pride. Doesn't pride go up before a fall? The person of humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. But the rich... Uh, should take pride in the low position. That, that kind of seems turned on its ear. What, what, what? And, and then, he goes on to, then he goes on to talk about the person in the high position. 
because it will pass away like a flower, a wild flower. For the sun rises, scorching heat withers the plant, its blossoms fall and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while he goes about his business. The poor should take pride in their high position and the, and the rich should take pride in their low position. What is he really telling us there? Whether rich or poor, our worth is in who we are as image bearers created in the image of God. Our worth is not in what we have accumulated, not in what we can do, not in who we know and who knows us. Our worth, our dignity is inherent in being created in the image of God. And whether you are in a low position or you are in a high position, God has work for us to do. God has work for us to do. I, I, I remember, and I think I, said this, I think I said this last week to you, uh, some of the first verses that I memorized were uh, uh, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of works. It is a gift of God, lest anyone should boast. Salvation, a gift of God, right? Free, can't earn it, can't buy it, can't steal it, yay. But the very next verse, the very next verse goes on to say, that we have been created. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So whether we find ourselves in a low position or a high position, we have work to do. And we ought not to be distracted by the fact that we're in a low or a high position. And that's what the world says. If you're in a low position, then you want the high position. And you know why you want the high position? Because there's power in the high position. And everybody wants power, right? In the world, power is seen as a limited commodity. There are 100 units of power out there in any relationship you find yourselves in. And your goal is to have at least 51%. 52 would be better. How much is enough? Just a little bit more, according to uh, uh, Nelson Rockefeller. How much is enough? Just a little bit more. Because you see, it doesn't satisfy. No matter how much power you have in terms of earthly power over an individual or over a situation or in a business or relationship, no matter how much you have, it never satisfies. There's always a need for a little bit more. It's a black hole. And the people who have wealth sometimes get misled by that. Wealth in and of itself is not a bad thing. Love of wealth is the bad thing. God uses wealth. Thank you, Lord. But wealth is not going to ultimately supply that joy that comes through obedience, loyalty, and humility in that relationship with God as he cultivates perseverance in our lives that we might be mature in our faith. And how many successful people do we know 
who have reached the pinnacle of, of their profession and said, there's got to be more. Is this it? I, 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 I met a guy. I knew a guy. Uh, Doug Marsden was his name. He was an older guy, enlisted guy in the Navy. Uh, he had a master's in economics. He was a second class. Doug, why are you a second class? He says, well, you know, I was, uh, uh, I was a CFO of a very success, successful company. Uh, uh, not a CFO. Uh, 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 yeah, yeah, chief financial officer of a very successful company at age 26. And I thought to myself, there's got to be more to life than this. So he went down to the local Navy recruiter and said, what do you have for me? And the recruiter said, uh, with, at your age, the only thing I can do is put you in the supply corps. He goes, Psh. He said, I don't want to push paper for the, for the Navy. I can, I can, that's what I'm doing now. I'm making 10 times what you guys could pay me. He goes, well, all we have is, uh, you know, you, you could go in as an enlisted guy. And he goes, well, what do you got? He says, well, how about, uh, how about nuclear power? Nah, not interested. What else? How about nuclear weapons? Okay, yeah, you got my attention now. <laughs> so he became a fire controlman and was on the, on the boat that I served. And he, just, and, he, and he only did it for one tour. I don't know what he, I'd, I'd love to know where he is today. But he recognized that there was more to life than success. And sometimes that's hard for people who are in low positions because they seem to have it all. When in reality, they don't. The ones that have it all are the ones who recognize who they are created in the image of God. People in whom Christ dwells. Don't be dis discouraged and don't be deceived by the haves and the have-nots because the reality is for most of us there are always going to be people in our lives that have more than we and people that have less than we do that's just the way it is we're created with different gifts and it's not about sitting back and 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 being disgruntled and saying i want your gifts i don't want my gifts but to recognize that you are gifted. We are gifted. Discovering what those gifts are and, and using those gifts to further God's kingdom, recognizing that in this world we will have trials and tribulations, but taking heart because Christ has overcome the world, recognizing that God is using that as a refining process to bring us maturity into our lives, that, my friends, is the source of true and everlasting joy. Thank you for listening to Island Recast. For more information, please go to gmpc.org. As we face the midterm exams of life, Psalm 23 is a pretty good place to hang out. To remember that the Lord is our shepherd, we shall not want. He leads us beside the still water makes us lie down in green pastures. He restores our souls and leads us in paths of righteousness for His namesake.
I think too often we take a step back from that and think that the, his paths of righteousness are paths of least resistance. And he leads us in paths of righteousness, not for our sake, but for his namesake. And so when you encounter those trials and tribulations in life, I don't want you to be discouraged. I want you to take a step back and ask yourself, where's this coming from? And then meet it head on. Knowing that God is at work in, in your life in ways that you'll not even begin to understand this side of maturity, this side of eternity. But with maturity of faith as our goal, let us consider it pure joy as we walk this road together. That, my friends, is kingdom living. We gather to worship. We go forth in obedient, loyal humility to the King of kings and the Lord of lords.